0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Fact. God is in control. Agreed? Then why do you worry? Why do you make decisions or not make decisions and just act in a way that says that he isn't? Fact. Fact. God has given us all that we have and tells us to give to him first fruit and sacrificial and and, and and serious and trusting offerings of our money for his work. He uses numbers like 10%. And he promises that he will provide all that we need when we do that. Agreed? Then why don't most of us? Why are we... behind our, our offerings budget this year. Fact. God deserves our praise. He made us and gave us our voices that we may give him glory. Agreed? Then how could cursing or gossip or vulgarity ever cross our lips? fact. God loves us. He has done everything for us. Agreed? Well, you know the question that comes after that. Looks like we're coming up on another fact. Looks like maybe God isn't always our master for everything we do in life. Looks like maybe he isn't always our number one priority. We know the facts. As Christians, we know what our priorities should be. Even what we might say they are. But we also know that we are living in a world that has conditioned us to a whole other set of priorities. We are living in a world where normal is a problem. Normal leads to hell, and God doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want you to be following a set of priorities that leads you away from him, because this world has a whole different master. Ultimately, it's Satan, and the tool that he uses in our society certainly is money. So today, Jesus' hard truth for you is this. You cannot serve both God and money. And that's a really good hard truth because money is an awful master. But Master Jesus, what he tells us to do is good and it is for our good. So in Ecclesiastes 5 today, Solomon walks us through a, a, a case study in this. You cannot serve Both God and money. Solomon was an old man when he wrote Ecclesiastes. He had been there, done that for just about anything you could name on this earth. You probably remember Solomon, right? The the richest, the wisest, the most powerful, the most blessed, the most respected man in all the world. He had experienced the best of everything this world had to offer. So now here, as his days are winding down, he teaches us what he learned. And if you've read Ecclesiastes, you know the word that he keeps coming back to. Meaningless. He says, all of this, meaningless. So why do we pursue it so blindly? In today's reading, Solomon shares with us what he's learned about money. And and truth be told, we've learned it too. We know it, we've seen it, we've experienced it. It doesn't make sense to live the way our world does. It doesn't make sense to live for money because master money robs you. Look at the text. Truth after truth. Fact after fact. Read through those first few verses and tell me that you don't already know what he says there. We've experienced it. Look at verse 10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Of course. John D. Rockefeller was once asked how much money it takes to satisfy a person. And he was the world's first Billionaire, the richest man in the world, said, always a little more. You might have in your mind the number that, you know, when when I get that, then all will be good. But Solomon brings us back down to reality. This, too, is meaningless. And then verse 11. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The notorious B.I.G. once rapped, Mo' money, mo' problems. The more you have... The more stuff to worry about, the more stuff you have to take care of, the more people you have to take care of to take care of those things that you have. And what does all of that stuff, what does all of that money really do for you? You're only wearing one set of clothes, even though you have all sorts of others. I mean, just just that, that big pile of money, Solomon says, what does it do? Well, you can look at it. Is that really worth the cost? I'm sure you've heard stories about the the mega-millions winners who find themselves bankrupt and miserable. What did all that money do for them? And he goes on. The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. More money, more stress, more things to worry about. And Solomon says what that leads to. No rest, no relaxation, no Sleep, Even though they may have a scientifically superior bed, it is objectively more comfortable. Master money robs even of sleep. And he's still going. Verse 13. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun. Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners or wealth lost through some misfortune so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Have you ever seen an episode of the TV show Hoarders? Where they go into the house and they see all these stacks of, of things and everything in the way. How would you describe the people whose homes they are exploring? I'm guessing the word happy is not the first one that made your list. And, and joy didn't get there either. They're, they're miserable. And then Solomon says, what, what about when, when you work so hard to build up your wealth and, and then one, one mistake or one crash and it's all gone? What then? All of that work and nothing. You don't even have anything to leave for your kids. That, that's awful. Master money is an awful master. And he keeps going. You know, we, we enter the world naked, and we don't take anything with us. You don't see U-hauls attached to hearses. That's just not the way it works. And then you add to that, that the pursuit of riches leads, he says, to so many lonely meals. I read that verse 17, I can't help but think of the the proverb, better a, a, a small portion of vegetables, so that would have been the poor person's food, better a small portion of vegetables than the fattened calf, or I'm sorry, better a small portion of vegetables with love than the fattened calf with hatred. Master money is an awful master. He robs you. And the worst part is he tries to get you to blame God for the problems that your pursuit of money causes. So it is really good when Jesus comes with his hard truth today and says, just don't. You can't serve both God and money. And that's where Solomon comes to in the last part of our text, right? After explaining how bad a master money is, he says, but I do know what's good. Look at verse 18. This is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given for them, for this is their lot. So in other words, while we are in this world, we will toil, right? Toilsome labor. Whether we're serving master money or master God, everybody toils. But notice the difference of perspective. Instead of seeing my work as the way that I make money, which will make work always frustrating, right? Because it will never be enough money to get to that number that keeps changing, right? It's always a little more. So, so instead of seeing my work as, as, as the way that I make money, he says, no, no, see the work as its own reward find satisfaction in what it is that you are doing. So then, instead of chasing after something that, that I will never catch, he says, find satisfaction in your toilsome labor. And notice, he's not saying, this is only if you have a really good, noble, glorious job. He calls it toilsome labor. Whether that is teaching a classroom of, of children or or changing a diaper, whether that is collecting garbage or leading a business meeting, whether your toilsome labor is dealing with frustrated people or or, or packaging a product, whatever your toilsome labor, find satisfaction in that. And then notice how. He says, because it is the lot that God has given you. Really, we're talking about the doctrine of vocation here, right? God is has prepared you and put you in the place that you are and equipped you in the way that he has for you to accomplish your lot. And maybe that lot is something that very obviously helps all sorts of people. That's a wonderful thing, but maybe maybe that's not your lot either. Maybe your toilsome labor is, is there not so much for for what it does to help others, but what it does to allow you to take care of those that God has placed in your life your family, your friends, your community. When you can appreciate your job as a means toward that end, well, there's satisfaction there, right? And then he says maybe God gives you wealth too. But I think we can kind of take the maybe off of it. We're living in America, right? I mean, if if you've got an extra set of clothes, and I'm guessing that you have more than one extra set of clothes, you are ahead of half of this world's population. So yes, God has given us wealth. So look at what Solomon teaches us about that. Verse 19. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. It's a gift. That's the kind of master God is. Money is a master that demands work in exchange for a wage. God is a master that gives freely. Think about the difference. Think about about where serving money comes from. How do we get there? Ultimately, it's pride, isn't it? Because money is a tangible way. That I can compare myself with others. That I can see what I have accomplished, right? Do you see how God works completely other than that? He says it's a gift, whatever your toilsome labor. And whether he gives you wealth or not, it's it's a gift. So in this way, it's the same as for our salvation, right? Right? If we look at our salvation, if we look at our relationship with God as based on what I do or what I accomplish, we will always fail. Right? You know, in money, that, that, that uh, standard is always moving, which makes it hard. With this, God's standard is perfection. And you and I both know that we are not going to reach it no matter how hard we try because one sin, and we all know we've got at least one sin, means that we are not and cannot be perfect by what we do. So God gave his one and only son. God gives the gift of forgiveness and new life and salvation. He gave Jesus who was the only one who could accomplish that standard of perfection and pay the perfect price for all of our failures. God gave you the gift of faith. The gift of those who brought the word to you. The gift of baptism. The the, the gift of the Lord's Supper to strengthen that faith. He gives and he gives and he gives. And when we realize that, It takes away all the frustration of our efforts that never seem to be enough. And helps us glory in the gift of God. And then, just so that we don't get bored, he tells us that we get to do stuff too. We get to serve him in love. And live for him. And enjoy the things that he has given for us to do. And it's it's really the same thing with money. God has got this. He gives wealth or whatever he has appointed for you. And he tells us to enjoy it. And that happens when we can appreciate our work, even if it is toilsome labor. We can appreciate that it is the way that God is using us to bless others. And to take care of the people in our lives that he has given us to take care of. And then, we're not living for money, we're, we're living for him. Then we don't fall into the trap that Paul warned about in our second reading that, that catches so many who are hungry for money. Then we can use our money the way Jesus describes in the gospel lesson for things that really matter. And then, just because he's so good, God throws another blessing onto us when, when we can see who really is our master when we're not serving master money but serving master Jesus. Look at verse uh, the, the last verse there. He talks about when we're busy finding satisfaction in our toilsome labor, he says, then they seldom reflect on the days of their life. Because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. When we are busy serving God and our neighbor through our toilsome labor, whether that is our work or our volunteering or whatever it is that that we are doing here, when we are busy with that and appreciating the gift that God gives us in that, We don't have time to think about life and the the, the politics and and, and the conspiracy theories and everything else that people get so worried about. Because we're we're so focused, we've got something more important to focus on. And all of those things are a gift from God. So let's see everything, even money, like that. Whatever I have and whatever I do is a gift from God so we can order our lives according to, to his priorities. And then we can use the money he gives us for what really matters. May God grant it in Christ. Amen. Remember the peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's rise and confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed printed on page 14 in the bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated.